now he was mesmerized by his helplessness. He had fought off the urge for a Jack Daniels himself, and now he realized he didn't need it. He was soothed, uncommonly tranquil. The euphoria of killing was better than bourbon. This isn't about money, he said, realizing his message was about to be lost. That's what you tell people, but it's never been about money. You know what it's about. You never accepted responsibility for what you did. Now, you see, you have no choice. The young man in the blazer checked his Rolex and rose from the chair. He walked behind the gasping man, grabbed him roughly by the back of his collar, and pulled his torso straight in the chair. He reached over the man's shoulder and shoved a laminated card into his shirt pocket. He released his grip on the collar, and the man's face fell hard into the table, knocking the empty scotch glass onto the marble deck and shattering it. The young man walked alongside the cabana to the wrought-iron gate, fashioned, as were most things at the Highland Park estate, with the logo of an oil derrick bearing the name Dora One. He heard retching behind him, and he paused at the gardenia bush, leaning into it to take in its sweet fragrance. He snapped the stem on one of the white blooms, trimmed a few leaves, and guided the stem through the lapel in his blazer. Then he headed around the house to the circular drive and the black Porsche. Chapter 2 Jeb Quinlan was a man without viable options. He had had no choice but to succumb to the conspiracy between Sarah, the estranged wife from the far side of hell, and Captain Bill Barrack, the warm and fuzzy new breed chief of crimes against persons, ten years his junior. The pair had tactfully referred to the ambush in his own den as an intervention. Just two people who cared deeply about him and who wanted to see him straight and sober. They could call it anything they wanted, but the truth was Sarah had him by one testicle and the good captain had him by the other. Together they had cracked his balls like walnuts. It was extortion, Quinlan knew, pure and simple. The former was threatening divorce, which at that turbulent juncture in their marriage was neither here nor there. But Texas was a community property state. Divorce meant that Sarah would walk with half his retirement. For the last several years, the pension was all that kept Quinlan playing the game. He had earmarked that money long ago for fifty acres and a log house in the remotest pocket of deep east Texas he could find, as far from asphalt, skyscrapers, sociopaths, and assholes like Barrack as he could get. The latter, the ever-sensitive Captain Fuzzy, had already temporarily suspended him. He had relieved him of his badge in City Issue 357 Smith & Wesson and was hinting at outright termination. Neither had bought Quinlan's argument that his so-called problem was actually just the residual debris from the meanest five months of his career in crimes against persons, or capers, as cops called it. He had had a high-profile, big-dollar insurance tycoon with a tag on his toe and five heirs, including a trophy wife twenty years younger who couldn't keep her legs together with millions of motive. Not to mention two business partners who wouldn't have pissed on the deceased if he were a human torch. 
Fact was, Barry M. Hawthorne was universally despised and had littered his road to success with the bodies of everyone with whom he had ever shaken hands. Only hours into the investigation, Quinlan figured the only way the family could throw a funeral was with court-appointed pallbearers. Hawthorne's murder was high society intrigue, and it led the front page and ten o'clock news for weeks. Inside Edition had done a full half hour on the Wheeler dealer, focusing on his Horatio Alger beginnings following his conglomerate of far-flung insurance companies and ending, of course, with a grainy close-up of Hawthorne sprawled in his own blood beside his red Jaguar convertible. In the eleventh hour, under unrelenting pressure from the brass and the media, and just when Quinlan was about to offer up the insurance executive's daughter to a grand jury, he had closed the case with a totally different suspect. An investor scammed in an insurance deal five years earlier had bought the murder...